Bibles and let's get ready here. And uh, I want to go ahead and begin this morning with starting off with some prayer requests and praises and things. So if you got any, let me know. But want to remind you, go ahead and let's um, start off by praying and, and asking for prayer for, for Janice still. And uh, grateful to have uh, Richard back to work and doing well. Praise God for that. I'm sure they're happy to have him back too. But um, we pray for her and uh, just pray for um, a touch from the Lord for her lungs to be starting to improve and improve quickly and rapidly. Um, we're just praying that this week was a, it was a steady week, but praying that um, we can move further from steady to, to the other side, to the swinging for the improvement part. But um, y'all pray for her and pray for him as well and the doctors and everything, everything else. Any other requests this morning anyone wants to share? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, let's pray for him, the family, and, and pray for that church as well, because that's always a scary time and, and a, um, a tough time for them to go through as well. Any others? Any other requests at all this morning? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Any others? Yes, ma'am. Yes, my, my godmother, Debbie Higginbottom, her, her mother fell a couple of days ago and broke her hip and had, had to have surgery. Is that right? And so she'll be healing up for a while. And I'm not sure exactly how, um, how, how young she is, I'll put it, but uh, how much? Okay, so she's 88. Yeah, so, she, so she's going to have a... A tough time healing up from that, but pray for her. And then unspoken as well. Any other unspokens this morning? Lord knows the needs. Any others at all today? All right. Hey, well, it's good to have y'all here. Y'all are quiet this morning, so uh, y'all got about uh, about two minutes to wake up, okay? <laughs> if not, we're going to start shaking people out there. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. I won't. I'm going to send Joe to do it. <laughs> All right. But this morning, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Pray for our nation. Let me pray for our leaders. Pray for this world. Um, this world is certainly in a mess, and it's the things that we're watching happening here are really happening all over. Um, there's, there's a ton of things going on, but we could certainly look at all those things and be all doom and gloom. But I don't want to be doom and gloom because we're not called to be doom and gloom. We're called to be looking for our Lord. We're called to live until we die, until he calls us out of here. So that's what we're going to do. Let's pray for our services today, pray for, um, pray for God to move uh, amongst our hearts and, and to give us what we need today uh, from his word. Uh, any others at all today? All right. Well, let's open up uh, in a word of prayer this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this morning that we can gather, we can worship you, and Lord, that we can share our burdens and our requests upon our hearts, Lord, and share with one another. And Lord, ultimately, we can share with you, Lord, uh, that God, that even before we even mention others' requests or, or, or share them or, or even don't share them, God, you know the needs of every heart. God, we pray that you would meet the need of every heart today, Lord, through your word and 
that, Lord, through your power, Lord, it's you alone who can take care of these, these needs that we give over to you. So help us to believe uh, and to pray sincerely and earnestly for these things. Lord, we do lift up Sister Janice to you. We do pray, God, that you would... Um, well, we want to thank you, God, first of all, for, for the fight that she's had so far and, Lord, that uh, how well things have gone. But we do pray, God, that there would be a, a, a turn and Lord, that there would be a turn for the good, Lord, that we could uh, just see her lungs clear up, God, that we would uh, be able to see your glory and your power and your strength through it, God, that it would certainly be a, a mighty move and a hand from you. And, Lord, we do thank you for Richard, for his, his recovery. Pray that you would just give him uh, and the family peace and comfort and help during this time, give him strength and, and the doctor's wisdom. We do pray as well for uh, Brother Brother Tilly over at uh, Bethel Baptist, and Lord, we know that he's uh, quite sick, and we do pray for healing for him. Pray for the church and his family this morning, God, that you would bless them and encourage them, give them some, some peace and comfort and help during this time. We've got several others who have um, had falls and, and injuries and surgeries and are, are in need of healing. Several families who have been uh, mentioned who have lost loved ones this uh, just all together in this past couple of weeks. Lord, there's seems to be so much happening in our own little worlds, but God, we, we do know that you know our hearts and your thoughts are many towards us, so help us to remember those things, to take them to heart. God, I pray that today, that as we gather here, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your word as well, that we would have uh, the right heart and motive as the why we're here, and Lord, that today you would be the focus, you would be the goal, and that the goal would be uh, giving you glory and honor, and Lord, we just thank you for this time once more. And God, we uh, pray that you would keep your hands upon us now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, grab your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter 2. <coughs> Today, <coughs> last week I had intended to make it through verse 21, I believe, and, and didn't quite do that. So yeah, I intended to make it through 21. But we're going to kick off. I want to read verses 18 down through 21. And if we get past that today, we'll be doing something, all right? <laughs> but... But uh, let, let's just um, uh, work our way through this as we've been looking. John has been dealing with throughout the whole letter, and as he's going to continue to do so, to make sure that you have assurance of salvation, to make sure that you have a fellowship in your salvation, in your walk with the Lord, and to make sure it's proper. He's also been giving these certain tests, if you will, to sort of a litmus test of making sure that my heart is right before the Lord and that I am walking with him and serving him as, as we're called to do. And so now as we come to verse 18, I want to read here. He gets into a new section here about what, a, what it means to be a true confessing Christian. And there is a difference between those who are true confessors of I go to church and true confessors of I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Uh, there, there are many who <coughs> proclaim and uh, love church, if you will, and the idea of going to church, being part of church, but very few. There's a much smaller number truly follows and confesses Christ properly. And it says in verse 18, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. I want to just briefly bring us back up to speed that the last time as, we, as he is talking about and as we understand it, is that the last days, the last times that we are living currently in the last days. And so was John. And so is tomorrow and yesterday. It is a part of the last days. The last days have been here since the Lord Jesus Christ had bled and died and rose again and then ascended ultimately to the Father 
uh, to be seated at the right hand of the Father. That is the moment that the last days, if you will, come into existence. It would be literally in the forthcoming days after the day of Pentecost and even after the, immediately after the ascension that the early disciples and the apostles and the, the early church believed that Christ was going to come back almost immediately. They were anticipating it. They believed the signs were all around them. And we're going to see today as well that John believed the same because of what was going on around him. You and I have, for some reason, lost that urgency. We, we've lost that urgency in the church over the past I'd say since the 50s, right? Think about this. We come back from World War II, right? We're two-time defending heavyweight world champions. Things are great. Uh, the, the markets are going good. There's jobs. Families are working. Everybody gets a, a, a house, a washing machine, and a Chevrolet, and eating apple pie and hot dogs, and everything's great. And what happens is we get kind of lulled into this sort of complacency, and we get lulled into this sort of, uh, believing that, well, all is well. All is not well. And, and all has just gotten worse and worse and worse. As a matter of fact, it is fulfilling the scripture that says, in the last days, perilous times shall come, and there uh, shall be all of these things, and there shall be um, all these things that we've watched taking place, and all these things that will continue to take place, that basically it's going to go from bad to worse. And we must have our eyes opened up to these things, as the scripture tells us that we should awake from our slumber. And I believe that is probably the state of the church for quite some time. The church has not been dead, it's just been asleep. Asleep on the job. And now here he talks about these last days, his last time, which I firmly believe that we are in. We talked about the progression of this, how there's sort of the last of the last days, which will be coming in the future that the Bible clearly lays out. And I want to look at the phrase today to begin, even now are there many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. John believed in these immediate antichrists. John is dealing with much heretical uh, teaching and false conversion, which are a type of Antichrist because they are not Christ's teaching. Christ not only tells us that we can be saved, but gives us assurance of our salvation and then tells us not that we keep our salvation by our works, but rather that our true salvation will bring forth works and good fruit. It will naturally happen. We don't have to fake it. And what has happened in John's day and in our day is that we've gotten it backwards spiritually. We want to see what we can do good with our hands before we really do anything with our head or our heart. We use what happens on the outside to convince our inside. It should be the other way around. It is our inside that convinces our outside to do anything for the Lord. I've said this before that uh, any bad thing that you do is an act of your own will and your own flesh. Any good thing that you do is not an act of your goodness inside of you, but rather it is Christ in us. It is Christ through us. It is Christ for us. And that's what we need today. We need to understand those things. But as we look at these antichrists, I want to see here how he says that there are many antichrists even now. John believes in his day because of what he's seeing. But I would say the same thing as John says here today. That in today, October 10th, is that right? October 10th, 2021, even now, there are antichrists amongst us. I, I mean, by the droves. You can't cut on Bible television, if you will, if you even want to call it that, without seeing these antichrists. Y'all, I don't know if y'all saw this or not. Oh, I don't watch him, by the way, okay? Just a little disclosure there. But Jim Baker said this week, I need a million dollars for my show next week or else I'm going to be canceled. I need a million dollars in a week. Well, don't that sound nice, right? What, what, what's happening here is folks like 
not just Jim Baker and other folks like him, Benny Hinn and countless others, those are certainly profiting off of people who are genuinely believing that they're contributing to something good. The, the sad reality is that the people that give to these false ministries are giving to Antichrist and they don't even know it. That's the way the Antichrist works. That's the way, as we're going to see in a moment, the future Antichrist works, that he gives people a lie that they believe. And they're even given over to that lie. They are seeing the glitters and the sparkle and the gold and think, oh, this is great. They're going to see the 1950s, if you will, sort of piece where things seem to be going good, so therefore it must be good, but it is not good. Just because it looks good on the outside does not mean it's good on the inside. There is nothing worse than picking a beautiful apple and seeing it glisten and the light and everything else and biting into it and getting nothing but pithy, unsweet, nasty apple, right? Or even getting that rotten spot. There's nothing worse than that. Why? Because you believed you were going to take that bite and it was going to be juicy and sweet and good, and instead it wasn't. And that's the reality of what Antichrist, like uh, today, we're seeing. The tremendous rise, increase of false teaching in our day should certainly show us the day that we're living in. We're living, if anything, one day closer today to the very last of last days than we were yesterday. I know that. And I can have that confidence in saying that even if Christ does not call us out of here today, I believe that he could. And I believe that even if he does not today, that he very well could tomorrow or the next day or the next day. And I know that every day that we live on this earth, it will progressively become worse. Evolution teaches that things by natural law should be getting better. However, what do we find? They naturally are getting worse. The earth is getting worse, right? It's not getting better, right? Uh, uh, how about people? Are they getting better? Definitely not. If anything, they are increasingly and exponentially becoming more and more um, like their own nature on the inside. It's beginning to show more, if you will. The morality that once could be seen as sort of this glue that kept people together or even kept a nation like ours together by some degree of being at least a moral nation, the morality is gone. And now we have nothing but Antichrist running amok and, and having false teaching in our day. Now, the false teaching comes in, in slight ways as well. There are many in our day who will proclaim to be Christian or to speak for the Lord or to be called by God, and they'll have TV shows or radio broadcasting, or they'll even have books, and they'll pump these things out, and people will buy it and read and listen to, and it'll have 85% truth and 15% not truth. Let me ask you, and this is pretty simple mathematics here. If something is 85% true, is it actually true? No. No, of course not. And so why do we listen or bring into our bodies something that we think, eh, it's mostly true, so it shouldn't be but so bad. We don't want that, right? If we had a, a bowl of M&Ms at a potluck here, and out of the M&Ms there was only 15% of them that would you know, be poisonous and, and make you die, would you reach in and grab a handful of M&Ms? No, of course not. You go, who brought those M&Ms, <laughs> right? right? You go, who did this? We think about this, though, and it comes in the slight ways. And, and furthermore, the Antichrist-like mentality is not just in false teaching that has a lot of truth and then a little bit of falsehood. It comes in this large, greater push globally for ecumenical ideas and ecumenical religion and ecumenical everything. Why? Because ultimately we know, as we're about to see, the future Antichrist, and end that day, 
there's this sort of one world government, religion, this sort of idea where everyone is getting along and together. Now, everyone thinks that it sounds like a great idea for everybody to get along and not have problems and issues, right? You think about every beauty pageant there's ever been when they ask them the question, if you could do one thing or have one wish, what do they always say? World peace, right? And they smile and they pose and that's it, right? But guess what? World peace won't come until after the last days have come and then Christ returns. And, and it's not going to take place before then. We cannot bring in world peace. As a matter of fact, it's a Christian false antichrist teaching today that you and I will usher in the kingdom, that you and I will usher in Christ's return by sending forth all these great revivals and stuff. It's not going to happen. If, and I would say to those folks who proclaim that or promote that, if those real revivals that they claim in these stadiums with Tens of thousands of young people and all this stuff and the swaying back and forth and the great. It's so good, right? Oh, revival's sweeping across the land. If it was really sweeping across the land, wouldn't we see the effects of it? Because if there's real Christianity, then there's real fruit and there's real good fruit. So if there's real revival, won't there be real fruit of a real revival? Absolutely. However, we're not seeing that today. We're seeing the real fruit of Antichrist mentality and, uh, and Antichrist and in general, um, we're seeing their fruit. There are antichrists behind pulpits and in pews today. Antichrists are not just those who teach. They are also those who lead others astray. The work of an antichrist mentality in John's day and in our day is not just the guy who might be up here and, and preaches something false, but it's those as well who believe falsehood, spread falsehood, spread gossip, division, all these things that God says in Proverbs that he Hate. And hate means hate, by the way. And so it's very clear here that these things take place. We must be sure that what we do is done with the right heart, the right motive, the right method, and for the right message as well. Now, the future Antichrist here, because, of course, I know it's what everyone wants to know about. Everyone is absolutely obsessed with trying to know every second of detail of what's going to happen in order of the tribulation period and all these wrathful things. And you can have your order all you want to. I've got mine, mind you. But guess what? If I'm wrong, but I don't believe I am, I'm not going to be here. So I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care. Well, why do I care so much now? Why do we care so much about certain things? We should certainly know. But I want you to know the, the future Antichrist is not something new. It's not something new to our thought or Christian belief. It goes back further. Cruz, the commentator, writes, The general concept of a powerful and end-time figure opposed to God is found in Jewish apocalyptic writings. And it is probably in these writings that the background to the author's Antichrist concept is to be found. Within the New Testament, passages reflect this concept, even though First and Second John use the actual term Antichrist. The passages are 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and 2 John and Revelation 12 to 13. So I have here, is there coming an Antichrist? Yes. And he will take everything that we're watching happen now and explode it. So the ecumenical movement and the globalist movement that we're fighting today, politically, economically, and spiritually, because in case you don't know, that is what's happening. The push for everyone to conform to everything and to the world system uh, ideologically and educationally and, and politically and all these things, it's a globalist ecumenical movement. It's the same thing that Antichrist will come and fulfill and will promote. Why? Because 
it goes to the antitype of who Jesus actually is. That Jesus will bring about peace, but he will do so when he returns, sets up his kingdom, he will rule with a rod of iron. It's not going to come together over unbiblical doctrines or unbiblical truths or your truth and my truth or however you feel or you're sincere or any of those things. We have to beware. And, and, and mind you as well that we're not looking for this coming Antichrist, but we are looking for our Lord. It is our Lord who's going to call us out of here. Not the Antichrist. It is our Lord Jesus who is the bridegroom who will call His bride, the church, out of here. Not the Antichrist. So we see that we can certainly study eschatology and learn about the end times but if we become so focused on the end times that we miss what we're supposed to be today and who God is and how that should change me right now, what it often does in focusing on just these last days with people today is that they stay in a constant state of fear, worry, depression, anxiety, because they're so focused on all the bad that's coming and they don't understand that if you're in Christ, you're not going to be here. And even if the Lord let me go through the worst of the worst, I would still be in Him and therefore protected for eternity. So let them kill my body. A man can kill a body, but he can't take the soul. That's what Jesus teaches and preaches. And so why in the world should we fear and fret so much? We shouldn't. Now, we move forward here. There is certainly an increased activity of Antichrist activity. Therefore, we know, as John did, that these days are approaching the last of the last days. Now, then we get to verse 19. <coughs> John's Antichrist here are the ones, according to verse 19, that they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, this is an important scripture here. This is an important passage because it comes alongside the Antichrist. So for John, the Antichrist are those who appeared to be in Christ, appeared to be in the church, and then they went off on false doctrine, false belief, false teaching, a false hope, a false assurance, all these things, and they have left the true church of God. And so what does John say about them? They left us and they were never actually of us. And this is a, a statement that most today do not like. But because we don't like it, we need it. And now, this does not mean that just because somebody leaves coming to this church to go to another that they're apostate or awful or some sort of heretic. It's not what that means. Now, I do believe this, and I would tell anyone wholeheartedly, if you plan to leave church, plan, first of all, to go to another church, but make sure that why you're leaving is a Bible reason. A Bible reason. Not a tradition reason, not a preference reason. Not a, well, you know, they just, they don't treat me right there. Well, what does that even mean? Right? We think about this. Us as human beings, we will treat you right, we will treat you wrong, and we'll treat you every which way in between. You're bound to like one of Right? And we think about this. If we base everything off of our emotion, we would never stay in one place, would we? We would never stay in one job. We'd never go to the same restaurant again because... You can go to one restaurant and go one day and it's great. The next time you go, well, it wasn't quite as good. So I, I just, I'm never going to come back here again. And you can try making those blanket statements and things. But what he's dealing with is a much deeper issue than preference, tradition, or color of carpet. 
or because someone looked at me funny, or I just don't know about it, or I want more stuff for my kids, or music isn't right, okay? We're looking for Bible reasons. And John says here that the Antichrist are those who went out from us because they were not of us. The idea that they were not of us is that they would not submit to the authority of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Scriptures. Therefore, they left the faith and the local church assembly. I've said this, and I will continue to say this, and it is unfortunately especially prevalent in our days. The past two years, we have watched many churches who have had members leave to not come back. And they are not in another church, but they've left and they've let circumstances that have happened the past two years become the reason why they will not live their life. I would say this to anyone who says that they love Jesus and leaves the local church to not get plugged into another local church does not truly love Jesus like they say they do. If we love Jesus, we will love his church because it is his bride. He bought the church. He built the church. And the church is the way that he has established in this age for the gospel to be proclaimed, for disciples to be made, for fellowship to be had. Uh, and, and for all those who say, well, we want to get back to house church. There's a big house church movement, mind you. You can, I encourage families families to have worship together bible reading devotions even singing the psalms or or or, or hymns whatever it might be to spend that time and i believe it should be led by husbands and fathers i believe it's a biblical thing however what is not biblical is let's take ourselves out of the authority of the local church because what it means to be a part of the local church is much greater than what we realize it is a fellowship not just of where we get along with everybody but rather it is a marriage in and of itself. It is a covenant agreement when you agree to be a member and you are brought in under the membership of the local church that not only we give to you, but you give to us. It is a marriage of not 50-50. It is you're giving your all in the local church and I'm giving my all in the local church. If not, why are we a part of the local church? It is ultimately for Christ, for his glory, because this belongs to him. Therefore, we should treat it as such. We have to be careful with the way that we deal with church, the way that we deal with membership, the way that we deal with all these things because they are very, very severe in the eyes of God. They're very important. Church membership is not just saying so that way when you have your obituary read one day at your funeral that, well, they were a church member. That's not going to cut the mustard neither. And it does not matter that you were a member. What it means to be a member, right? Let me ask you this. Would the Moose Club or any other club in the area lets you be a member of it if you did not contribute? Of course not. Why do we treat the local church different? This is God's. And I'm not talking about money, mind you. I've been here for a couple months and haven't preached about money, and I don't plan to because ultimately you know what you should do and what you shouldn't do. I shouldn't have to babysit you on that. What I'm talking about is not giving out of your pocketbook. I'm talking about giving God your heart. And understanding that this belongs to him. It's not about you. It's definitely not about the preacher. It's not about the, the deacons or the leadership or the programs. It is about Christ. And those that leave the local church to not go to another local church that is biblical, preaching the Bible, fundamentally preaching the Bible, and, and, and submitting to that, 
He says that they leave and they go and they can stay and do such because they were never a part of God's church to begin with. This is heavy and this is severe because let's be honest, we've seen plenty of folks who have left church in the past couple years and aren't anywhere at all. And my heart breaks for them because they are starving to death and don't know it. And if they do love the Lord, I hope, I hope and pray that they're absolutely so chastened and burdened that they run to the first church that they can get to that is preaching the Bible and ask God for forgiveness. Because this isn't about us, it's about the Lord. And John says they can go from us because they were never of us. And I would even say this, that it is a better thing for those who truly do not love the Lord or know the Lord to leave those back doors and to not return than it is for them to stay and to cause division or issues or strife in the church. Jesus talks about separating the, the, the wheat and the tares, right? Let's get rid of the chaff. The separation of goats and sheep. Because what this Bible is is sheep food. It's not goat food. A goat will go eat anything. And I'm not going to give a goat his food to make him happy. And that's not what we're here for. We are sheep called to hear the shepherd, and we only hear the shepherd when the word is preached. And if we don't submit to this word preached, and as it is understood and as it has been given by God himself, then we need to evaluate our walk and salvation. He continues and he says, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. I often wonder if the rapture did happen on a Sunday morning, what that might look like. How many church services would still keep going? How many greeters would still be greeting? How many deacons would still be deaconing? It is sad to think how many are a part of the local church, but really are apart from Christ. This tells us that you can come to church and not be a part of church. Does that make sense? It's, it's, it's a heavy topic, I understand. It's difficult. We need it. He says then some good things for us, for us believers. He says, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. An unction from the Holy One. I love this, this phrase here. This whole idea that the local church, that it's not just the visible members that we see that are necessarily a part of the invisible. Now we get to this part of those who are not only a part of the visible church, but they're actually a part of the invisible church, meaning they're actually real deal confessing Christians. Not just professing, but confessing. And I believe that there is a difference. We can make professions of faith without actually confessing and knowing Christ. It, it, to confess something means that you, you know there is relationship, there is a depth, there is a real walk, there is a real knowledge from both parties. Because remember, there will be those who stand before God and say, well, didn't I do this for you and didn't I do that for you? And he will say, I don't know you. Be gone. Cast away forever. And so this is important. He gets to this, this great phrase, though, but ye have an unction from the Holy One. Remember, who is he writing to? He's writing to believers. To have an unction from the Holy One here. John introduces here, as Thatcher writes, John now introduces the key term in this section, charisma, which means anointing or unction as it's translated here in the King James. Now, the true believers are different from Antichrist because they have a special anointing from God that gives them knowledge. The contrast is highlighted in the Greek 
text by word wordplay that cannot be translated. The Antichrist or Antichristoi claim to know the truth about Jesus, whereas it is actually believers who have an anointing charisma that gives them true knowledge. So when he says here, you know all things, does that mean that you know everything there is to know about God? No. Rather, this means that everything that we do know comes from the unction of the Holy One. The Holy One meaning, in this sense, the Holy Spirit of God who indwells true believers. If there's a true believer, he will have the Holy Spirit in him. You will not separate. You will not have, a, uh, you will not have the Holy Spirit in someone who is not truly saved. And you will certainly not have someone who is truly saved who is without the Holy Spirit today. The, the, the moment of salvation is the moment that we are regenerated and quickened by the Holy Spirit, the moment that we are sealed by Him, that we are indwelled by Him, and that we will stay, that He will stay with us forever in us. And that He is the one that will convict us and guide us and teach us. As a matter of fact, it's Jesus who would say in, in John, as John records, that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would come and teach you all things. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us these things and reveals these things. And that's why there are many who you might take, even in one church, two people who have walked with the Lord for 20 years. And they've both been saved. They might have got saved the same night. But they might be different places in their walk depending upon whether they have been led or have conformed or ha have submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit or not. The Holy Spirit is always and constantly pointing us to Christ and to His Word. Always continuing to uh, bring us to growth and sanctification. To lead us ultimately and to keep us safe to the day of glorification. And it's this Holy Spirit, this unction, this anointing, if you will, that separates real believers in Antichrist. is the indwelling Holy Spirit who saves, seals, sanctifies each believer. Now I want you to know this, that there are those who would say, this unction of the Holy One, this anointing of the Holy One, this anointing of the Holy Spirit, that there are those who are charismatic in their faith and practice, belief and stuff, who would say that you can be saved, but you're not really saved unless you have the anointing upon you. They would say that you must be water baptized uh, as well for salvation, not because of salvation. Right? We, we believe you're saved and you get baptized because you are saved, not for your salvation. Uh, furthermore, though, there are many who say, that you are not truly saved unless you speak in tongues or can do X, Y, and Z, the, the sort of gifts of the Holy One or gifts of the anointing, unless that anointing has come upon you. You want to know when the anointing came upon you? The moment that you repented and trusted Christ. You know when it leaves you? It don't. The Holy Spirit resides in us and will not leave us nor forsake us. That's why God is ever with us because He's literally living in us and for us and through us. And so we see that we must submit to this Holy Spirit, and us Baptists have got to stop being so afraid of the Holy Spirit, but we must return to a place of understanding who He is. The Holy Spirit is not a mystical thing or it or force. He is the third person of the triune thrice holy God who is there covering and hovering over the waters in Genesis chapter 1. He's the same one who had prepared your heart to hear the gospel. He's the same one that prepared that preacher to preach the gospel. He's the same one that prepared even the song sung the day that you got saved. Whatever it be, it is the Holy Spirit who drew you into salvation and saved you and sealed you and sanctifies you to this day. We have to understand. He says, Then I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. To know all things, while we may not have a little knowledge of everything, all things that we know come from the unction of the Holy One. 
The reason why you can know about the Bible is only if you are saved. Why? Because the Bible tells us that no man who is carnal or just in the flesh will be able to understand what this Bible says. They want to ever have that experience before you trusted Christ that you read the Bible and had no idea what it was talking about? Anybody? Or even heard about that, right? I've got family members who, before they got saved, read the Bible and thought God was cruel or, or thought that uh, just it makes no sense. I can't understand it. You know why we can't understand it? Because we don't have the Holy Spirit of God. So when do we get the Holy Spirit, this unction of the Holy One? That time of salvation. That's why every saved believer should and be able and is called to study the Word of God for themselves and to believe and to know and to grow themselves. I can teach you all that I can possibly teach you, but unless you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, I'm talking to a brick wall. You need the Holy Spirit inside to to guide and to reveal these things because it takes time and it takes perseverance, and that's exactly what this passage is dealing with. We know that we know because Christ through His Word and the Spirit has revealed it to us who were in the revealing light of the Word of God. John is writing not to convince them of something new, but to remind them of the gift and truth of the Word of life given to them which they have believed from the beginning. As he says, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but rather because you do know it, that no lie is of the truth. What we find here is this this great need to return to the truth, to understand these things of truth, because of the activity of Antichrist in this day, it's all the more reason to know the truth. It's all the more reason to study the truth, because what we find more than anything teaching in churches and in books, stores, and on radio and television is, as we talked earlier, that mostly true, but just enough falsehood to still be false. And so if we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we are not in a Bible-believing church, if we're not being discipled, if we're not getting in God's Word on our own and letting the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to teach us, I would tell you this as well. You might read your Bible every day and and, and have salvation, be saved, and and read every day, but I would encourage you before you even open it up and, and begin to read, ask for the Lord to reveal these things to you. Now that does not mean Lord, show me some sort of mystical sign. Show me something that's never been seen before. Because I want you to know, if I'm preaching the Bible, I'm not going to preach anything that hasn't been preached before. I'm not nearly as original as I would like to be. Now, what this means, if we're preaching the Bible and you have the Holy Spirit, that He's going to work through that Word. And He might show you something that you haven't seen before, but He's not going to show you something that's new under the sun because there's nothing new under the sun. And He's certainly not going to give you some sort of divine revelation that only he gives to you what is incredibly popular today is oh god told me this but it's nowhere in black and white pages of scripture if you can't point me to scripture that i'm going to look at you and tell you no he didn't <laughs> or there were those who say uh, john MacArthur gives illustration he talked one day to a uh, a large evangelical leader who was in the charismatic movement who said he, uh, he had seen God while he was shaving in the mirror. Wouldn't that be something? See God in the mirror while you're shaving. And John MacArthur looks at him and says, and you're still alive? Why? Because if that really happened, the man, first of all, 
would have either died because no man has seen God and lived, or two, he would at least, bare minimum, still be on his face before God who has somehow appeared to only him in that mirror. The issue about this that we find is that Antichrist and the mentality of Antichrist comes down to getting us to leave the authority of Scripture and the authority of the Spirit of God. We cannot, mind you, and this is where we've got to be balanced. We cannot have the Bible and understand it without the Holy Spirit, but we will not have the work or divine revelation of just the Spirit without the Word of God. And what the Antichrist teaches is that you can take the Bible and interpret it on your own and for yourself. Or they teach, well, you don't really need just that. You need the unction and the anointing, the excitement, the emotions, and, and you need the, the seeing God in the mirror while you're shaving sort of thing. And that's not the case. What we need to avoid is to avoid Antichrist, but to avoid it, it comes down to something that is absolutely elementary and simple and truly a Sunday school lesson, and that is exactly what we talked about last Sunday. And that is we must return to the Word of God alone. It is the Word that has our authority. I could tell you that God told me all I want to, but unless I say what God has already given here, why would God give me something different that He has not given you here? I want you to know I'm no more special than you in this. There's nothing special about me. Right? I put my pants on the same way you do. I put them on the floor and jump like that, right? Is that not how y'all do it? <laughs> Maybe. Right? We think about this, though. We're in the same boat. We have the same Bible, and if you're saved today, you have the same Holy Spirit that I do. There's no SEAL Team 6 Christians. But what we need is to get back to this place in these last days where you and I as Bible-believing Baptist believers trust the Bible and are led of the Spirit who points us and teaches us and leads us and sanctifies us through the Word of God. So that way we can know these things. And not that we would know new things, but that we would be solidified and on a solid foundation the things that we have learned from the beginning. The Gospel fundamentals of the faith, and a return to just knowing God according to his word. That's what we need in these last days. Let me circle where I left off, which is verse 22. <laughs> Y'all come again next week and we'll, we'll do it again. All right. But let's pray and let's ask the Lord to prepare our hearts for this uh, worship service. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. God, I thank you for each one that's here. Lord, help us to understand the importance of of these things. And, and Lord, while we see these ever-increasing signs that we are certainly living in the last days, Lord, help us not be bogged down or to be so concerned to worry about those things, but rather to, to return to the simplicity of being led by your Holy Spirit that indwells us and, and teaches us your word that you've given. God, I pray that you would help us to be simplified in the way that we worship you, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. God, prepare our hearts for this worship service, and God, that you would be glorified in all things. We love you, we thank you, and praise you for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all take a pause for the calls. We'll start up here in a little bit, 1030. If you're gentlemen want to come and pray for service, come meet me over here in the 